for me, it's just your environment. You need to make sure that it's correct. That goes from having a clear, tidy space at home to the people that are in you coming in and out of your life, to the influencers and mentors that you look up to. Um, these things are very, very important. Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. It's been quite a day for me. I've been rushing all around, but I'm so pleased because we've just had a like pre-warm-up talk uh, with Gavin Johnson. Uh, he was introduced to me by his auntie actually, who was on the podcast a little while ago. Uh, she talked about sound therapy, which was fascinating. I've been to a few of her uh, little uh, sessions, which was very cool to learn about vibrations and all the rest of it. Um, now you're an athlete. You sound like you're, you're a guy who does a lot of stuff. So you're an athlete. I know you're training as a coach. And it seems like you've used COVID-19 to almost reinvent yourself like a thousand times. Tell us, welcome to the show. Tell us a bit about you. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I took this as a, an opportunity. I, I always try to use my time in the most effective way possible. And I had the goal of going into coming out of COVID-19 or the pandemic better than I went in. That was my goal. So I went into it, um, had time off work because I work as a personal trainer part-time as well as being an athlete. It just sort of married together. Didn't always want to, it wasn't a career choice that I wanted to specifically go into, but it was just like fell into it and it just, it just it fit nicely. And I'm working with a great team and I love, love the atmosphere there. Um, but I also had other interests, you know, I've always been interested in psychology and sociology and things like that. And I studied economics at university and I wish I did uh, PPE, which is politics, philosophy and economics, which combines oh. all of those topics together. But that's, that's just what happened. Uh, so I picked up, I just was reading a lot of stuff around it as I was going through and it, and it helped in the personal training because as you know, a lot of people use those sessions as a bit of a therapy session as well. So as I was doing that, I was developing my skills, understanding different types of people that come to me coming from all different types of walks of life and things like that. So I decided during the pandemic, I went on Udemy, there was like a, a course there for 15 pounds down from 200 as life coaching. So I just thought this is a sign. Let me just jump on it. Um, started watching it. Absolutely loved the, the, the tutor. Uh, Kane Ramsey. He's very, very good at what he does. And it just inspired me to write three books. So I, I got down. Um, Not one just, people, but three. If, yeah. uh, anyone else, just you're slacking. Yeah, you wrote three yeah. books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not massive books. They're quite short and punchy, but they, you know, trimmed all the fat. It was straight to the point um, type of books. Um, what were the themes? What are the themes of the uh, one, The first one is yeah let's have a look there we go I don't know a little if it's book of empowerment yeah, love a little it. book of empowerment uh love basically it. it gives you the sort of tools you need to feel empowered and to get out and, to, and achieve your goals so we're looking at um 
the language that you use that was very important. So the way you describe yourself, the way you respond to people, um, and how you, you just basically use your language and the, the amount of vocabulary that you do have um, also contributes to your visualizations because the, the more descriptive you can be with the more colorful language, the more real it becomes. And once it becomes real, you, you attach a stronger emotional attachment to it, and then you're more compelled to actually act upon it. And you've been through it, so it's just about going through the motion. So the more you visualize it, the less sort of um, nervous you are and doubtful you are because you've been through it already. And then it just comes to just actually doing it. So it's just all about that, taking responsibility for your actions, making sure that you're aware of yourself through, your, through taking responsibility of those things, obviously taking action, um, asking yourself the right types of questions because people often don't ask themselves the right type of questions and get, them into, get themselves into a bit of a, into a, bit of a mess. And just things like that. So it just gives you a real structure on how to how to get to a stage where you can actually get out. Yeah, like, get out and actually do something for yourself. I love it. And I'm curious about, and I know there's two other books and we'll, we'll get to those, mm -hmm. but you said you, want, you were determined to um, get out of the pandemic better than you went in. I think you said something like yes. that. Um, now, was that like, are you so well versed in this and so kind of super ninja trained that that was your immediate thought or... Like many of us, did you go through a bit of a like, holy fuck, kind of, oh, like destabilizing and then you switch it up? No, no. Um, I mean, my lifestyle hasn't changed much since the pandemic. I'm not massively at this stage in my life. I'm not going out very much. I'm not doing all those types of things. I literally go to work, train, come home and work Focused. on the various different pro pro things that I'm working on um, so it wasn't too much of a difference to be honest with you so there was no real shock I just got really excited to be honest with you because I had all this free time and I realized how you know I, I noticed a long time ago when I was at university that 24 hours is a very long time because when you're doing your degree you've got so much time and this is one of the biggest uh, struggles as a university student is to actually manage your time because you spend because I've got a little theory uh, with the education system where you've got the GCSEs where it helps you to multitask because you've got lots of different subjects not in too much detail and then you A levels is when you really have to just Focus work off, really focus and really work hard and university is about time management so once you've gained all those three you're able to really go out. And independence, and, isn't it? Yeah, so time and, management, and yeah, and all the lifestyle yeah, stuff that you have exactly, to add on. Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, the lectures don't take up that much of your time. If you're on, you know, if you're doing your work and you're doing everything on schedule, it doesn't really take up that much of your time, or it doesn't have to. So, yeah, I just was given the gift of going back to university, it seems. So I just thought, let me just throw myself into lots of stuff that I've always wanted to do. Um, and yeah, I just started the life coaching course, started talking to various different people, um, built up lots of stuff and then wrote those three books. Then more recently in the last few weeks, I started up my own podcast with a friend of mine. We just got in touch just randomly and just decided to do it. Um, and also started to paint a lot more. So I've been doing lots of abstract art, big pieces and people have been expressing interest to buy it. So again i thought let's just try it. yeah let's just try it let's just make some more and if people continue liking it then why not now talk us through who you were as a young boy as a as a young man like were you were you always set for being an athlete were you always focused i know some of your family is quite driven and and talented but like what was that environment and did it sort of um direct you into that that path i guess yeah, it was, I mean, I think it's a combination of who I guess I am as naturally, 
and the influences in my family is a combination. So I, I was born in New York and I was raised there and I was born in the Bronx and then raised in Lyme, Manhattan for a few years. Then I moved back to London. Uh, my dad was, um, he was very much into sport. So he would take me out even as a one or two year old and get me to do pull-ups in the park, all sorts of crazy stuff. Really? I got the pictures of it. Yeah, so sports was always a big thing for me growing up. I always wanted to be big and muscular and incredible Hulk and all those types of things were very big idols of mine. So sport was something that I was always... I don't think I've ever there. heard anyone say the Incredible Hulk was an idol of mine. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, love it. <laughs> yeah, I've got posters of him all over the place. So, you know, and, and at the same time, I was very artistic as well. So I'd always be drawing pictures of like Godzilla and all these sort of sci-fi things. So I have a big thing for sci-fi. So I was always doing those types of things. And as I got older, it just sort of developed more and more and more. And, you know, as I went through to school i was made sports captain all the way up until i was 18 until i left as pre prefect and all the rest of it I was in every single sports team um i was doing lots of arts um yeah i was just you know the school that i went to in terms of secondary school they kind of bred people to be multi-talented in lots of different areas i went to haberdashers and it's only when i left i realized actually this is not so normal because i was just used mm. to everyone being great at art great at sports like we had european we had like european champions sprinters and olympians and stuff like this in my class we had the the sons of like professional footballers scott parker sean wright phillips who we went to school with all these guys so we're just used to seeing the highest level of stuff and we just sort of almost took it for granted because it, um, it does sound quite balanced for like a man as well to both be the athlete and achieving there and be in the arts you know yeah. sometimes there's this divide isn't there <laughs> Yeah, people like to put people into boxes and see these massive divides. And actually, it's not true. There is an Olympic committee of artists. There's a lot of javelin throws, which is my discipline, that are very, very good artists. Um, you know, because you, you've got to understand, when you, especially with track and field, I mean, each sport's different, but with track and field, you need to have a particular mentality. It's very, very hard and it's very technical and you have to have almost like an OCD type of personality. So you get certain professions with certain events and certain people doing certain things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that's purely physical, but at the same time, you, you build up this certain type of work ethic. And, and also you need other things as well to balance you, as you say. So lots of people are very surprised when they see, oh, you, you're this athlete guy and then you do art as well. And it's like, it's not actually that uncommon if you just say, and I just think, and, and at, the time, at the same time, I've got an attitude of why not? If I see something, why not? Let me just do it. So that, do you think, um, and I know that, like team sport and sport often builds that resilience of like you win some, you lose some, you get back up, you keep trying. But do, mm. do you have any moments that you remember like your first big fails or like it was a proper oh, blow? Yeah. There's, yeah? Plenty, there's plenty, plenty of times. Yeah. I mean, even from, from a young age, you know, there's, there's lots of times when you, you get injured when you want to really try like for example like when I was I got back from university um decided to, to focus on track and field because I was doing a lot of rugby and a lot of more contact team sports and I realized that I'm more of a solo guy so I went straight into athletics quite arrogant thought I was big and strong I'm going to be world champion in a couple of years and then I got hit with every single injury in the book mm. and that was just incredibly painful being on the sidelines, knowing you want to do something, seeing everybody else improve, but knowing you can't do anything about it. You know, there'll be times when I'd come away from training in tears because it's just like, if someone's ripping us off, you've dedicated so much time, you spend so much money, do everything to make this happen. And it's just not working for you. But at the same time, you have this belief that you can do something in the sport. 
so I where does the wait? Where does that come from? That belief that you can achieve something. Um, I don't know. I've just always had it. I've just my, even from when I was young, my uh, my grandmother and all those people would say that I was just incredibly determined. When they, nobody could tell me no, I just would always just plow through it, no matter what was put in front of me. That if I decided I was going to do something, that was it. So I guess it's just something natural in me, I guess, but then reinforced because I've had a lot of successes as well. So I know sure. I've got a track record of being successful in certain things. But at the same time, I, I understand that when you do fail, it's just a moment. It's not permanent. It doesn't define you as a person. It's just a moment for you to learn, to, to reassess, to do better next time. And that's what sports from doing it from a young age is. You know, you may win round one, but you better bring it for me because I'm coming back for round two. That's always been my, that's always been my mentality. Okay, good. Yeah. You won it. Next time. I'm in. Yeah, there's yeah. a competitive watch, watch edge. Watch yeah, out. I'm in, um, yeah, I'm incredibly competitive and that's what keeps me going. And I know that I've gone so far, like even last season where I've had the most successful season I've ever had, I had a massive breakdown with my coach. I called him up before a training session because he was, because he's quite a harsh guy and I like it because it's just straight to the point. Yeah. But he, you know, he was, he was, I was just at a state where I just thought I'm not making the improvements that I want to everyone around me is doing their own thing, living a normal life. I'm making massive sacrifices. I'm not having, I don't have as much money as all my friends because they're all investment bankers now. So they're earning 200, 300 grand a year, easy plus bonus. So they're having a great time. <laughs> and I'm just sort of the poor friend trying to sort of make his way through track and field athletics at my age because I'm 37 now. Um, and so it's, it, it, was, it, was, it was a big struggle and I got to a real sort of, breaking point and I told him I was going to quit did you and yeah I was I was done I was in my head I was done I told all my close friends I'm done with this you know I really went full dramatic what came just what came just before that um before that because what happened was you know I was training really well I had a pretty good season the season before um I, I I took on a new coach called Francis Gross who's a very very good German coach in the javelin yeah, one of his guys just won his one of his athletes just won the world championships of the decathlon. He's like 19 years old, the youngest ever. So he's a very good coach. And he's you know, lots of coaches seen a lot of potential in me, but because of my age and all the rest of it, is it becomes quite sort of limiting in a way. Um so he yeah, so he came on board, he was giving us lots of stuff. Everything was going well until I actually went outside and started throwing the javelin and then I saw there wasn't very much improvement and I was just like you know, it, it just crushes you because in your head, you, before you actually go outside, you can create all sorts of fantasies in your mind of how far it's going to go and all the rest of it. And then when you're actually there, that's the cruel thing about sports. You can't hide the result. It's there, black and white. No one yeah, cares yeah, whether yeah. you didn't sleep well, whether you had broke up with your girlfriend, whatever. It's that, that's it. It's just that <laughs> end result. You're only as good yeah. as that last thing. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm very real and I'm very harsh on myself. So I was just like, I'm wasting my time, blah, blah, blah. My, my coach was just like, no, you're not quitting just you get your you get your butt down to the training track and I did and I had an incredible session and then I said look okay I'm just going to play it week by week <laughs> you know because the reality is I can't walk away it was my it's become part of my identity so as much as I you know make dramatic scenes and you know say I'm going to be finished had enough. I, I can't actually do it <laughs> so I went through it season was good and I ended up basically winning everything. I, I won the English Championships. I'm current English champion. Uh, won the Manchester International, came third in the British Championships, finished fourth in the country. It, it, you know, it was just an incredible position, got a new personal best. 
everything was great. And I was, it was just one of those moments where if I just said no, I would have missed out on everything. Now I have a theory that for many of us, we do just like in your example, we do our greatest work when we have right after we have those meltdowns. I remember when I first started the podcast and we were almost two years in mm. weekly episodes, haven't missed one. And I remember listening to podcasts and thinking, I've always wanted to do that. I want to do it. And I just had this dream. I was still employed. So I wasn't in a successful business, which I am now, like it's all grown. And I just set this up from my living room table and I did, you know, um, garage band and I was editing myself, YouTubing, how does, you know, edit your own podcast and all the rest of it. So I had my first conversation and then I edited it and I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm trying to have this big voice on a big platform and I just have this dream that I want people to learn about mindset in the messy middle and I want to be like some of those people that I listen to. Mm. I had such a meltdown in my kitchen all alone. Oh. Yeah, I was just like, fuck, nobody's going to listen oh, to it. What no. am I doing? You know, the whole imposter thing. Happened. Yeah. And then once it's out, like sometimes you you feel vulnerability but you start getting the... the um kind of feedback loop from people going, oh my God, that really, that thing really helped me or it changed my life or, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Totally. And it's just that people quit right then sometimes, mm. like mm. right then. But how yeah. do you know, and you may not know the answer to this. I've recently watched the, the Rocky s- series with my boyfriend because he was yeah. like, you got you to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like, how do you know? Because there were times when he like shouldn't be fighting anymore. And he's just like, I'm a fighter. That's just who I am. I have to do it. But how do people know when it's like, we've got to actually sometimes quit in order to focus on the, the better thing. And when it's those um, moments. It's just, yeah, it's just that I think it just comes down to how much you really want the thing. And yeah. the sort of, the sort of uh, your visualization of who you are and what represents you as a person and your identity. If your identity has been assigned to this particular goal, like you want to have a successful podcast, you're going to find it very difficult to walk away from it because that's who, what represents you as a person. Um, if you do find yourself walking away, then you may have to ask yourself what you really, really want. Because when you really, really want something, I believe it's, it's, very, it's incredibly difficult to walk away incredibly difficult I'm with you it's really hard to explain drive like almost um stupid to the point of stupidity you know to people yeah. who don't have it yeah and it's you know? yeah and it's the same it's the same quality that a lot of entrepreneurs have they yeah. get knocked down get knocked down get knocked down get that but then that that one thing happens just like for example with with the athletics again you know you get a lot of problems you know i'm not as i don't have as much disposable income as other people I'm, i can't go out as much you know i've got a lot of restrictions which i don't actually mind but then when i win a medal when i stand up on that podium it's it's all worth it it counts for everything yeah. it means everything and then i see little kids coming up to me asking for my autograph taking pictures with me you know i get to coach them and seeing them develop from someone that can't even throw to someone who can actually throw pretty good and then they really like it and get into the to the event it's, it's you know it's, it's it's worth more than everything else that I, that I claim i'm missing it's about being who you truly are you know that yeah. person within and being able to nurture that in some way um, yeah. Now, I know you've got some, some good, some great views on just society at large, and I'd love to hear some of those. Um, but before that, you talk about visualization. Do you have any other like mindset hacks that are just, you, obviously, you've got the athletics, which is the discipline around your body, but any other um, two or three just like things that you do regularly to get your mind on track? Um, yeah, I, 
I, I, I just simply ask myself just a series of questions. Um, first of all, I ask myself, do I really want what I'm doing? How am I going to get there? And does this serve me well? So, for example, if I am in a situation where I feel like the energy around me isn't very, isn't very good, but I continue doing it, I, sit, I take a moment, I say, is this serving me? Is there any point in me putting my energy into something or having someone around in my life and all the rest of it? Because your environment and everything does have a massive influence on how you progress in your life. If you've got people around you, it may not be very easy, but be, you know sometimes you do need to make certain cuts um because they're draining your energy like i've had to do that over the last couple of years now that i've found what i wanted to do because before i had lots of troubles growing up lots of different traumatic things and over the last few years i've been discovering what i really want to do and what really makes makes me happy and i decided i wanted to be a writer worked in film i did script writing went to Cannes, did la did all that type of stuff and I work every now and again in that type of area. And I decided I wanted to write books. I wrote a fictional book. And then that led me to being able to write these books very easily because I picked up all the various techniques and I just found it very easy. I can knock out 10, 15,000 words in a day. It's no problem. You know, it, once I've got my sort of drive behind it. So for me, it's just your environment. You need to make sure that it's correct. That goes from having a clear, tidy space at home to the people that are in you coming in and out of your life to the influences and mentors that you look up to um, these things are very very important um, then you need to ask yourself the right types of questions um, at the right times so you've got to be calm make sure that your your, your emotions are in check and don't sort of knee jerk and just actually try to actually you know think about what you're doing and what's actually possible if you want to be something you then break it down into small sections you know everyone can do a small section and then it builds up to a complete picture so you I, know I so yeah so it's just all about this and this, again this is all the stuff that i wrote in the book but it's like you know you've got to you just got to break everything down just really break it down because when people see a big task like i want to be an astronaut for example that's like oh my god most people look at that and be like oh my god that's crazy but then you break it down. Okay, what do I need to be to become an astronaut? Okay, I need uh, some sort of science degree. I need some sort of physics. So you go, okay, let me go into a course of physics. You do this, this, that, and the other. And as you're doing that, you then may find that you want to go into a different area because you've discovered something. You've become more aware. So it's just like Earl Nightingale's sort of um, definition of success is moving, working towards a worthy ideal. So everybody is growing as long as you have actually got the idea in your head and you've made your first step. You've already become a success. You are already growing and you need to be aware of that and just keep moving forward. Lots of self-awareness and that, that growth mindset. Um, you mentioned trauma briefly and, you know, maybe some challenges that you've faced. Do you yeah. think some of those dark times um, sort of give you that drive as well? Yeah, it, it does a lot because, you know, you... I, you know, I've, I've come from, you know, pretty, pretty hard places and you, 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 it, is, it, it affects you in lots of different ways. There's a lot of self-reflection. Um, there's a lot of times where, you know, you, you do the typical thing, why me and all these types of questions. And these questions aren't very helpful to you because your head will often come up with quite a negative answer. You need to understand. And then you're stuck, right? Yeah. Like, and then you're there's stuck. There's nowhere to go from there. Exactly. And then you go into a place of despair and you feel like this is your permanent state of mind. And the reality is, as long as you've got lung in your in your sorry air in your lungs, you've got a chance. You can move forward. You can change something. It's just a moment. So you know, it took a long time for me to get to those points and a lot of sort of self reflection because I, I was quite isolated in my sort of traumas. 
So I was just having to sort of really work all these things through as much as I possibly can and just come up with things that you notice and just really pay attention to everything. And, you know, it took a long time. You know, I wouldn't recommend anyone go through that process, but I, I went through that process and I feel like I'm stronger for it at the other end, but it did get pretty low and it could have it, I could not have been here at some points to be honest with you okay. yeah. you know because it does get to that stage a lot of the time because when you feel like there's just no answers and the hope's gone and you just can't see a way out of it you do create this illusion in your mind that you're stuck um but then you need I to like let me on. just repeat that you create an illusion in your mind that you're stuck yeah. and I relate to that it's like you make up a story that because you can't see a way out there is no way out Exactly. And this right. is a, cog- yes. yeah, this is, yeah. this is a cognitive distortion, uh, which we we're talking about. So what, what happens is you need to either, you need to actually understand what these pains actually mean to you. Um, when people get these sort of emotional pains or, or anything like this, they see it, they often sort of go along with it and actually compound the problem and actually go deeper and deeper. When in reality, these signs of pain are for you to take action to change something. Okay, so if you're feeling emotionally in pain, it's your body saying, come on, snap out of there. Time to do something else now. Time to do something. It's that's, that's what this is there for. And people don't really understand that. They just see it and then they just Wallow. hold yeah. on to it and just fall down deeper and deeper and deeper. And really, it's a warning sign. It's saying, hey, this is not a good mindset. Do something about it. Change your environment. Change a person. Change something. Do something. And this is what a lot of people don't understand and they need to, and this is why it's very good for people to, to read these sorts of books, to really become aware. And this is what leads into my sort of thoughts around education, because I just feel like as young kids, we need to actually make people aware of how their mind works, knowing the CBT, the NLPs and all that type of stuff. You know, it really does help you because what happens is lots of people get to our age or older and find it ourselves, but we've got so much baggage it becomes a monumental task to unravel all of that stuff and and, then, and we become reactionary you talked about having your emotions yeah. inside we just become one big tr- trigger point any exactly. we and we're controlled by external influences whereas yeah. all the mindset tools you're talking about are quite mindful they're quite like let me consciously ask myself a question and decide yeah. and be self-aware about my body the information there and who I want to be with that. Exactly, exactly. You've got to be aware of, you've got to ask yourself what, what, do these things represent and how are they representing me? Is this my identity? Is this who I want to be? And when you have uh, an emotionally unstable sort of environment or you become emotionally unstable, you just become reactionary to all sorts of things and you do things that may not be representative of who you are. And then afterwards, you then feel the guilt of it once you've come down, Oh my people God, you've heard done this. and then that that piles up on top of you um when in, in actual fact you need to sort of take a moment make sure that you base all your, your decisions as much as possible on facts and not just illusions and things that you've made up in your mind because you know two you know because sometimes you get two at two and you come up with five you know your brain as a mapping is a is a processing machine and sometimes it gets it wrong. So what happens is you, you get used to certain tasks and your brain makes an imprint of these certain tasks. So when something similar comes along, it just goes, okay, I assume it's that. And sometimes it's not. 
and that's how a lot of artificial intelligence or primitive artificial intelligence works in computing. It's, it maps out a particular thing, and then when a similar task gets laid Based on top on of that, Based on the past, often. Yeah, and it, yeah, and in your past experiences, when in reality, each experience is relatively new. So you need to approach it in that way and actually take a step back and then also understand where the other person's coming from because everybody does something for a reason. You know, if someone's reacted to you in a particular way, sometimes you need to reflect on yourself and go, okay, did I say something wrong here? Did I do something? Did, was my body language? You know, it's, it's a responsibility that both need to take. Well, and without taking that responsibility, I think we can both kind of reflect that the world's in a pretty crazy place at the moment. Um, we, yeah. We've just had uh, Black Lives Matters protests and we've had a lot of racial discussions. Um, we've also just within the pandemic, people are reflecting, they're scared, they're behaving in all sorts of ways, kind of out of fear. And so you said education is one of the ways to tackle that. And I imagine you don't just mean school, even though we should start young, young. But what yeah. are some other ways that we can just challenge our th for the sake of society? Yeah, there's lots and lots of different things. I mean, I've been reading, you know, as you have, I've seen lots and lots of posts going on, lots of people with incredibly eloquent speeches, great, you know, amazingly written articles, all that type of stuff. And I'm reading it and it's just all very personal and it all matters and I'm not trying to minimize any of that type of stuff. But I'm just thinking when I looked at these things, I was thinking, okay, how did we get to this point in the first place? How did people start thinking like this in the first place? And I started to sort of, sort of strip it back. And then I'd look at my own, own sort of experiences within the black community and see how I was responded to because it, always hasn't, it hasn't always been nice because there's lots of divisions within the black community that yeah. you wouldn't obviously know of unless you're in it. Um, then this is why it's very difficult for us as a black community to actually move forward a lot of the time because there's lots of, you know, just lots of just various different crazy Sort of in politics. Yeah, there's lots of in politics, you know, in the UK, that, for example, there was always a big rivalry when I was growing up between African black people and Caribbean black people, you know, all that type of stuff, cultural differences that you wouldn't ordinarily recognize and things like that. And I just feel like uh, as the spotlight's on us, we need to take on this, this sort of message of being at peace with yourself before you can be at peace with others. So as a community, we need to actually be at peace with ourselves before we can actually move forward wow. and, and become the, the community that we've all envisaged. Um, and I feel like this is the types of things that are mess, missing because everyone's acting very, being very reactive. You've got lots of extreme views out there which is very dangerous in my opinion, because yes, you can get caught up in the emotions and yes, lots of horrible things have happened that should never have happened. And I'm not condoning any of that type of stuff, but what happens is you run the risk of be is reacting and becoming just like the oppressors. So you start pointing the finger and through trying to empower yourself, you're disempowering the other group and then you're just basically swapping. Then starts like the cycle <laughs> yeah, of just, abuse sort of continues. Yeah, it's just that famous phrase, you can't fight hate with hate, it just doesn't work. So what happens is you then become very hypocritical as a group. And, you know, even within the sort of black community, there's lots of issues between sort of sexuality. So lots of uh, gay people are being ridiculed because of what, who they are. Um, and is again, that's a big hypocrisy because you're just discriminating against him because of their sexuality. It's no different from you discriminating him because of skin color. It's the same sort of thing. It goes hand in hand. So you can't sort of be this reactionary, I don't believe, and this sort of thing, unless you are at peace. But like you know, all change has yeah, to start with need, us. Yeah, you need to, you need to, you need to understand that, you know, what you're doing, you're just repeating this behavior. 
and that's not the way forward. So it's like we're trying to get change within a system uh, that doesn't actually promote the change or doesn't allow it to exist. So no, but also that it goes generations of like systemic, yeah. um, subtle no, no, kind of cycles on both sides, right? And I'm yeah. curious about your opinion on how white people should be supporting change. Well, the thing is, you know, I, I, it's it's one of these things where I just think we need to, as a community, as the black community, as I said to you before, they need to actually become more unified. They need to actually sort out a lot of the problems that have come within. Some of it's not their fault necessarily because they're in a system that doesn't really support them. And on the other side, they can take responsibility for a lot of other things, which they, they're trying to put on the shoulders of other groups. So it's just a mixture of those types of things and they need to come together. And then through that, again, it's just education, experience, spending time with each other, don't because that's that's what we run the risk of doing with these sort of things with the black lives matter movement and the rest of it you're creating a community that's fine to empower fine but then you get to a point where it becomes too insular and then you create a group and then it becomes very extreme because within it people are saying lots of really extreme things and really just pointing the finger and then what happens is you develop this sort of extreme sort of emotionally charged group and then you become that thing yeah, and, it, yeah, and it's just yeah. conflict and then that's what you know of all these types of things going through my mind and then i started to bring it back even further and i'm looking at the capitalist system as a whole how does that run it runs through conflict it runs through survival of the fittest it doesn't actually promote unity at all so is it ridiculous of us to want a loving caring respectful empathetic society when a system that doesn't actually support that it does it's a formula that, that doesn't allow it to live in the first place even look from our political system everything all the way down it's either you're a or b and if you're not one or the other you're against me boom yeah Conference. yeah it's polarized and it's, and it's everything everything is set up like that and it's about money this, yeah it's about money it's all the economics you know you can you know you can and then it, then once you go even further back you then look at the sort of basis of it which is religion you look at how religion is interpreted you replace god with money and you've got the capitalist system that people with more money blah blah have the superiority complex everyone else is uh, inferior you're looking at the people in society in america for example the people at the top are from white people and below the black so they've got that inferiority sort of thing and so they don't matter anymore they've devalued them as human beings because once you start in making someone inferior you devalue them and then once you do that which happens with in the u.s with the democrats and the republicans with the us and the them and the, you know and i love i don't know if you're familiar with brené brown's work who, who talks about vulnerability and all of that she says mm. it's hard to hate up close and you yeah. said what can white people do and what can like oh from all diverse ethnicities how yeah. can we begin to solve all change starts from within how can we love instead of hate but also yeah. lean into those relationships and actually yeah. just get curious right yeah experience each other that's what life's about. in my opinion life's about experiences you go out there and you have experiences this is what makes you realize who you are because it's that dichotic relationship you don't know what hot is until you've experienced cold so you don't know what anything about yourself until you've actually experienced it so when people come along and you see certain stories you hear certain things it actually tells you about yourself so for example if you see an advert on the tv about a starving person in the street donate money you can either be a person that says oh this is really terrible i'm going to give money or you can say this doesn't matter to me at all and then that experience tells you about yourself so people need to actually go around and have these experiences 
and then it will actually be, make them more aware of who they are and then they can address the various problems that that come about and then that sort of ties into all the cognitive theory cogn um, cognitive um, distortion theories and things like that you know you just need to be more aware of how these things affect you because a lot of and racism your own responsibility. is yeah a lot of racism is for me down to cognitive distortions you know they've had a particular experience or they've been influenced by a particular person which has then made them come up with an illusion about a particular group of people and if you're aware of those sort of cognitive distortions and you're aware of how these your mind works in all these different ways you'll be able to address it and say okay hold on a minute i'm being unfair here let me base this on facts. Has this particular black person or white person or whatever it is done X, Y, Z, or am I just painting? Par the same what yeah. I've heard, yeah, what I've heard is yeah. also challenge your um, own illusions, get on your own personal development journey. Um, yeah. And um, I'm curious, I wanna ask a couple final questions because we haven't got that much time left. Oh, okay. um, but before I do, uh, where can people find you if they're interested in the books? Uh, um, I'm on yeah, I'm on I'm on Amazon. Um, I'm on Instagram um, under Gavin Lassine, which is my uh, middle name. Okay. Um, on Instagram, and you can find me there. Reach out, no problem. Uh, you can I'll always reply to everybody. And the books are on Amazon. The little book of empowerment. I love uh, that. Sorry, if you can get that there. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, again, just reach out to me. I'd like to hear from everybody. Um, I think we've got to keep the debate going and connect on personal stories um we'll, we'll add all of that into the show notes of course so that people can yeah find you. yeah because because there's lots of interesting literature out there which i, I recommend people read um, especially a guy called neil donald walsh he'd done okay. a series of conversations with god and communion with god um don't be put off by the title it's not a super religious thing it's actually quite anti-mainstream religion and it teaches God. you a way of lot, lots of different ways of looking at the world and the universe and how you um, interpret things. And this is what's really influenced me to come up with a series about what's going on in society, coming back to religion, because it, 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 when you look at how religion has been interpreted, it gives you a lot of um, illusions that were meant to give you an experience. But what we've done is we've taken these illusions as fact. And then it's created a, a bit of an ugly situation. So, for example, the concept of love. Love is supposed to be all-encompassing, limitless, unconditional. But within our society and the way we do things, we have conditions on it. And you can't put conditions on something that is greater than what we understand, to be honest with you. And it's bigger than that's where we get a lot of trouble. And then lots of different concepts like that that come around, a lot of unconditional things that we've tried to put conditions on and then that leads us to believe that things have a limit that there is there isn't enough and then once you get to that stage you start to feel it's greedy that deficit that yeah, yeah you get that deficit and then what's available you get greedy for you get panicked just like the toilet, just like the, just like the toilet paper the fucking toilet paper <laughs> exactly the selfishness around that exactly. deficit right like yes, there won't exactly. be enough oh my god fear exactly and then then once you get to that stage you start to think there are requirements of things then you become condemned you start to condemn people that don't meet those requirements then you put a judgment on them and it just escalates and on and yourself you start yeah. living a conditioned life that isn't yeah. your fullest identity exactly. which we were talking about at the beginning that's precisely it. So, the, I mean, this is just a complete brief thing, but I highly recommend you read that book. It gives you some real interesting insight into how things could be and how things need to change and yeah. how, how we're doing things right now isn't really conducive for the goals that we're looking for. 
Not at all. So we got to think bigger picture. Okay, here's a, just yeah. a quick, quick fire round. I just want to get your quick thoughts on a couple of things. Sure. Uh, do you meditate? No. Fair enough. <laughs> I feel like athletics is meditation. I'm just curious about high performers and things. Yeah, like I, 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 visual, I visualize my, my event and I do that you, stuff. You so if I guess, yeah, I guess you can call it a meditation, but in terms of what you traditionally call meditation, sitting there in the pose, no. You're an, you're an, act, you're an active meditator, it sounds yeah. like, like me. Um, who was your biggest influence in your life? Um, biggest influence? Um, there's a number of people, to put it. Is, um, top, top three. Okay, top three. So I would say my uncle Brian. Then I'd probably say uh, the Incredible Hulk. He's a of great course, character. Obviously. Of course. Yeah. And then for terms of athletics, uh, Daley Thompson. He was a very big uh, influence for me because at the time there wasn't many people that were mixed race doing incredible things in sport and he was winning everything that he touched basically and he was very charismatic, handsome, tall, everything that you would ever want to aspire, aspire to, to yeah. yeah, so he was a very big influence for me. What was the influence your uncle great. had? What was the impact there? Um, he was just um, he was just very charismatic again and he he, he was very big and muscular. Now I'm like twice the size of him, but at the time he was like a yeah, massive yeah, guy and he was very much into his training and I, I was very focused on that type of stuff. I wanted to be big and strong and muscly and that was like my main sort of goals when I was seven, eight, nine. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah so okay, when you were, I'm just making these up, but they're just because I'm interested. When you were at your lowest point, you said yes. there were times when you thought maybe you weren't going to be here. Your lowest, yeah. lowest point. Did you ask for help? And like as a strong man, often there's like this idea that a, a strong man should show no weakness. And I know you had the breakdown with the coach, but that was how you were pushed to your limits. Um, yeah. I don't know, did you ask for help? No, not, no, not necessarily. It was more of a divine intervention, to be honest with you. Um, what, happened, what happened was I was, you know, by myself, just completely distraught. And a phone call came in from my father at three o'clock in the morning and it was really like I was so so close to just being like forget this but he called because I didn't grow up with him so he called out of pretty much nowhere in a way and he basically told me that my youngest brother really looks up to me and he really did it then all of a sudden that was it I just couldn't do it and um it just from then on I just sort of just kept on rising and I just kept on coming through because I just thought to myself if any one of my youngest brothers went through the same things and decided to do that it would just rip me to pieces and I can't do that to them. Does your father know that that it was that close? No 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 nobody knows no well now everyone's gonna know. Oh, everyone will know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was an it was it was a very personal sort of thing and I just thought you know what you know I've come this far I'm a fighter I can do this. And I just decided to, to change the panting ground from that. I love that. So, and I love that because I relate to just those serendipitous moments that can catch us out. Did he ever say why it was 3 a.m. that he called you or just... Because like, he's, he's, he's over in America. So oh, he's overseas. It, so it was just a 3 a.m. He was probably 10 o'clock at night and he just wanted to speak to me because uh, there was an incident that was before that. So we were in sort of a bit of conversation. So he was just checking up on me. And yeah, it was it was quite timely, <laughs> timely call. So I'm guessing there's something greater for me to do. And there's a reason why I've got all of these talents, I guess. So I'm trying to maximize them as much as possible and help as many people as I can. So after that, I feel like my last question is stupid. I feel like we just need to mic drop, we need a mic drop <laughs> there. It was about productivity, but I guess maybe 
what, let's, let's just end on this one. What um, two pieces of, of advice would you give to your younger self? So the kid who's like trying and he's got some fails and some wins and some like, oh, you know, what's the two bits of advice you would give? Um, it's very difficult. I, I think what you'd need to do is I, I would first say you need to change your environment and the people that you're hanging around with and the sort of influences and things that you're believing in they're not quite right and secondly that you're you, you can do more than what people are saying uh, about you because i had lots of people saying you can do this what's the point in that and it was always dragging me down um and just being a very bad influence on me and then when i got to my point where i was at breaking point i thought well i have nothing to lose so i'm going to just do it and at every step of the way the people that you need just come into your life you just attract it when you when you decide to do something positive the right people just turn up out of nowhere it seems like out of nowhere but whatever it is whatever you believe in life energy god universe whatever something just lands on your plate you hear a song and it just triggers an idea you watch a tv program and all of a sudden it's talking about the subject that you were thinking about it, it just some you've just got to be aware just open your ears open your eyes and just make sure that you're ready to receive any messages that are out there. I love that. I love that. So um, listen for the messages and the opportunities, yeah. but also don't believe everything that people say. You no, don't have to believe the haters and you don't yeah. even have to believe that voice in your own head. Yeah. You know, it's just a voice. Yeah, because the people that are doing, doing that, they're just sort of putting their own limitations on you. And we're exactly. different people, we're different things. You know, you what you're capable of and what you're capable of, two different things, but people tend to sort of can't really find that separation and be objective and say, okay, <laughs> this guy is, is clearly putting his own limitations on me. I love this. So, so be love and let go of the limitations. Gavin, yeah, just, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. I no feel like problem. we're going to have to have you on again when we're back out of the <laughs> yeah, um, sure. I'd, I'd pandemic to. and figure it out. Thank you. Yes, no problem. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through PetraBelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.